rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. This is Superman, Superman in the, the Bronze Age. Age. Downloading episode 112 of Superman in the Bronze Age. My name is Charlie Niemeyer, and today we're going to take a look at an issue featuring the return of our favorite imp from the fifth dimension. But first, listener feedback. We're going to start this one off with some emails. Starting off with, his handle is Jaroslawski Jason. And he writes, Charlie, me am Jason number one. Me want to drop line regarding Superman 333 podcast. Best thing was nice round number of issue. Otherwise, me am feel it am horrible effort on host part. Worst podcast in history of internet thing. Bad job. Please keep horrible work at all time low. You're welcome. Unsincerely, Jason number one, Canada. What's the opposite of thank you? Screw you, Jason number one. No. No, thank you, Jason. Um, <laughs> That was an awesome email. Or that was a terrible email. I... Bizarro Speaks confuses Charlie. Let's just say that. Our next email is from Ali Jaffrey. And he writes, Hiya! Came across your podcast and decided to mainload a few episodes while painting stuff for my w website. I forgot which episode, but the one about Moosey and if he ever, or if he was ever in Superboy issues. I looked it up and turns out he was, but in issues that came out two years later. Keep up the great work, Ali. And he has a uh, link to uh, Comic Vine. And he appeared in two issues of The New Adventures of Superboy, number 17 and number 18, featuring the introduction of a new hero called Kator, which I haven't actually read those before. Hmm. I want to say Russell mentioned these the other day, or the other episode with, with an email, but I don't remember. Anyway... Thank you, Ali. Next up, we have feedback on the website, a comment written by our friend Russell Bragg. And he writes, Hi, Charlie. Well, I guess you caught me with my bizarro goof. I totally, I totally forgot about Superman 306, which you covered on episode 92. I guess that's what that was a lot of episodes ago, but I still should remember such things. I can't tell you how long I've had Superman 334, but it was an eBay purchase. I hope you have better luck locating those Superman movie trivia questions. No luck on my end. 
As for the art, I'm not seeing the bad that you see. I have mentioned on my own show, the DC Comics Presents show, that I don't have the eye for comic art that other podcasters seem to have. To me, it's either good or bad. And it looked good to me. I will agree with you about the skeleton costumes with the Smurf hats and the Opticus outfit. They were goofy looking. On to episode 112 and Superman 335. I believe my copy is still the one I bought off the stands. It's not in horrible shape, but I'll have to be careful with it. Look forward to listening. Russell. Well, thanks, Russell. I will be completely and perfectly honest with you. I haven't looked for those questions yet. Uh, it's been pretty busy around here, uh, trying to get podcasts recorded and edited and baby stuff and oh yeah um and then last week we had a tornado come through our little town and mess up some stuff and power outage which makes recording a podcast really difficult without electricity so it's been a heck of a week and i haven't really had a chance but thank you for looking uh, and the skeleton and opticus outfits were terribly terribly terrible but um wow you bought 335 off the stands that's pretty cool that it's a long time to hang on to that issue. If it's still in good shape, I tip my hat to you, friend. But that will do it for our feedback. So next up, here's a couple of promos, and then we will come back with our issue for the day. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. It started as an idea. A flicker. Now with a simple voice email to the Superman of the Bronze Age podcast, that flicker has become a flame. Now... Russell, you're ready to start a podcast. Yep, you're ready to go. Yes, start it, and then and then we can email you. Whoa. And Russell has been, you know, the most consistent emailer. I think it's time that he does start a show. DC Comics presents. You know, after Dave's done, and I mean, you're not covering every, every issue, so he could do all of them. I would highly recommend that, actually. That would be awesome. So there you go, Russell. Go for it. I can't wait to hear his reaction to this. this <laughs> well, boys, here's your response. The DC Comics Presents show, hosted by me, Russell Bragg. On each episode, I will cover one issue of DC Comics Presents, in publishing order, until I reach the end of the series. I will also be covering all four annuals. Plus, I will be doing a character spotlight on each of Superman's guest stars, and we'll be going to the spinner rack to see what other comic books were available. Join me each episode of... The DC Comics Presents Show. Please go to the show's website at www.dccpshow.com for more information. That's DCCPSHOW. My name is Bob Fisher, and I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long history and talk about it. From 1938 to the present day, from the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio. SupermanForever.com We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. All right. Superman number 335 had a cover date of May 1979 and an on-sale date of February 19th, 1979, with a cover price of just 40 cents. 
Vixia's pedal expelled backwards is T-R-O-U-B-L-E, was written by Marty Pasco, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Frank Sharmante, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrian Roy, and edited by Julie Schwartz. It's Valentine's Day in Metropolis, and Lois and Superman are bringing an end to their Valentine's date when the subject comes up about them not being able to marry. While I'm not sure why they would have to announce that Superman is married to anyone, apparently being married to Superman would put Lois in constant danger. When she points out that just being his girlfriend has opened her up to just as much danger, Superman decides to renew his dedication to find a way to give her superpowers, and flies off. Meanwhile, in the fifth-dimensional land of Zerf, Mr. Mixia's Pitalik is meeting with his lawyer, who is unnamed. Mixia has been arrested for turning the mayor's children into chickens, and since this is his 127th offense, his lawyer doesn't believe he'll be able to convince the judge to show mercy. Again. But Mixie is supposed to be getting married tomorrow, so this could be a problem for him. When the trial begins, Mixie's lawyer is unable to sway the judge, as predicted, so Mixie is exiled to the third dimension until he atones for his misdeeds, and, unknown to our favorite little imp, the judge has put a spell on him so that even saying his name backwards won't return him to the land of Zerf. Meanwhile, at his Arctic Fortress of Solitude, Superman has captured a lizard-like creature from a red sun solar system. Since the creature now has superpowers on Earth, Superman believes that a serum made of the creature's venom, collected from its teeth, may give superpowers to a human. And by teeth, I mean fangs. But as Superman is collecting the venom, one of the fortress monitor alarms goes off, which stuns the creature, causing it to chomp down on Superman's hand. But Superman has no time to find out what the effects of the bite are, as the alarm indicates a fire in the city of Metropolis. Speaking of Metropolis, Mixius Pedalik arrives in the sky over the city and quickly finds out that he can't get home the usual way, which means that if he wants to get home, he's going to need Superman, much to his chagrin. But Superman is a little busy right now as he's just arrived in Metropolis to handle the fire at the International Toymakers Building, and ironically, Toyman is nowhere to be found. See, the building is 125 stories tall, and the fire is in the revolving restaurant on the roof, which is much too high for the conventional firefighting methods of the day. But the fact that the restaurant is shaped like a top gives Superman an idea. First, he connects the hoses of all the fire trucks that have responded to the fire into one large hose. Then he flies up to the evacuated restaurant and uses his cape to make it spin at an incredible speed, which you would think would cause all kinds of damage, but apparently doesn't. Then he flies back down, grabs the hoses, and flies back up, hitting the restaurant with water, and the speed at the top disperses the water out in all directions, creating a super sprinkler that quickly puts out the fire. With his job complete, Superman leaves the scene just as Mixes Pitalik shows up and decides that he needs to get the hero's attention. Meanwhile, Superman arrives at WGBS, where he needs to at least put in an appearance as Clark long enough for him to make an excuse to get away so he can tend to the bite on his hand, which, much to his surprise, has now turned green and is growing scales. Shoving his hand in his pocket as he leaves the storeroom, Lois walks by and laughs at his love of storerooms. While this would normally annoy Clark, he uses this opportunity to use his heat vision on the strap of her purse, causing it to fall off her shoulder and spill its contents onto the floor. Moving quickly, Clark offers to clean it up for her and applies some of her pancake makeup to his hand at invisible super speed to at least make his hand look normal. Because it's comics, and apparently pancake makeup covers the scales. 
Meanwhile, outside, Mixias Pitalik spots the WGBS newscopter and takes the fact that the helicopters are sometimes called egg beaters a little too literal as he transforms the newscopter into a giant egg beater with Lana and her pilot hanging on for dear life to the handle. Hearing Lana scream from inside the building, Lois goes to investigate, but Clark returns to the storeroom to change the Superman. But by now, the mutation has spread to the point that all of his skin from the neck down is now green and scaly. By the time he flies outside, the mutation is stretched up to, well, basically his nose, uh, covering his mouth and ears, cutting off his super hearing. Spotting the trouble with supervision, but wanting to keep his condition a secret, the Man of Tomorrow flies past La Lana and the pilot fast enough to drag them along in his wake, then takes them to a nearby roof and creates a tornado updraft to allow them to land safely. When he confronts Mixia's Pedelec, Mixie explains his predicament, then produces a mirror to show Superman that he is now more lizard than man. Realizing that they could help each other, Superman offers to help Mixie if he will use his power to return him to normal. But Mixie doesn't trust him. Guess he didn't see the movie. I never lie. And wants to be sent back to Zerf before he will help Superman. Of course, Superman doesn't trust Mixie, so they're at a deadlock. To force Superman's hand, Mixie's Pitalik turns the WGBS building into a literal building made of newspapers, explaining that he preferred it when it was the Daily Planet building. With all the walls now made of flimsy newspaper, it begins to collapse. So Superman uses the same trick he used to save Lana and to save all of the employees inside the building. But by now, Superman is upset. After all, Mixie's prank may have killed Lois, causing him to threaten Mixie's life. Then Superman checks on Zerf with the supervision and sees Mixie's fiance about to be hit by a car. But with his powers failing, he can't go help her. With that, Mixie's Pitalik quickly returns Superman back to normal, at which point Superman reveals that he lied, as his supervision had already stopped working by that point. I guess he didn't see the movie either. I never lie. Anyway, having done his good deed, Mixius Pedelec disappears back to Zerf, which means that everything reverts to the way it was before, except for Superman, who is still back to his normal super self for some strange reason. Probably thanks to plot. Flash forward a bit, and Superman has related most of the story to Lois, feeling sorry that he can't give Lois superpowers, and is a little gun-shy to try again anytime soon, which she appears to be fine with. Meanwhile, in Zerf, we see that Mixius Pedelec made it back in time for his wedding. But after the ceremony ends, his new wife, who knows how much her husband loves a good joke, reveals that she had magically made herself beautiful, but in reality, she's really quite ugly. And since they're now hitched, she can now show him her true self. Mixie isn't too happy about it, but the judge, who for some reason has been invited to the wedding, considers the joke to be a veritable work of art. Let's go into notes. Uh, first off, looking at the cover, it's an actual kind of cool cover. Uh, we've got... Some mystery to it. Uh, we've got the Daily Planet building in the background. It has been, well, obviously changed to a building made of newspapers, just uh, right out of the story. Mixie's on the cover saying, Look, Superman, I turned the Daily Planet into a real newspaper building, so imagine what my powers can do to you. And he hits Superman. Of course, thanks to Superman's billowing cape and his shoulder, we don't see what it does to Superman. And it said, the cover copy says, Mr. Mixius Pitalik, the mad magic maker from the fifth dimension, does the last thing you would expect in his running feud with Superman. And this is kind of cool because, as they do with any time notes or newspapers are anywhere, there's little jokes in some of the covers. There is one about a Surat flies to Israel. Uh, let's see. Uh, something about Pepsi. Uh, more expressed concern for the economy. 
makes sense. Uh, Superman movie, a smash. So, there you go. Uh, let's see. Now, unfortunately, all the mystery from the cover is given away when we we go to the inside or to the splash page and Superman's fully formed into that lizard creature already. So, once again, the splash page ruins the mystery from the cover. Not a fan of that. All right. Now, like I mentioned last episode, Lo uh, Lois gets a new hairdo for this issue. Uh, this is going to stick around for a while. I can't really describe it. It's shorter. There's less hair, kind of. Yeah. I I'm guessing it's a little more in keeping with the fashion of the day, which makes sense. Uh, the art is a little bit better by this point. Uh, the we don't quite have him looking as old as he did last issue, but Superman still has some uh, quote-unquote age spots. Lois is again wearing her typical magenta outfit. And they start talking about marriage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we go to Zerf, and we do get some weird-looking buildings. I mean, they, they I don't know that they would look too crazy, but they definitely look like they come out of a cartoon. Uh, Mixie and his lawyer, they're wearing hats, that's cool. And uh, the way Swan draws the Mixie's bride is actually really nice. She looks pretty. Page 5, we go to the fortress. This is one of my favorite picture images. Um, I love the way that Kurt Swan draws Superman's cape here. Uh, it's long, but not too long. You know what I'm saying? It's not long like, oh, I don't know, the Man of Steel movie or Lois and Clark, but it's not short like when Wang Boring or, you know, anyone from the 50s would draw it and it was like barely down to his belt. It, it goes down to basically the top of his boots. I think that's a pretty good length. Uh, it's a little shorter than Byrne would do, but I think that's plenty long if you ask me. Uh, the, the the effort that Superman actually does have to go through to take this creature's venom is interesting. He's got to he really has to pry the creature's mouth open. He's got his foot holding down the bottom jaw while he's lifting up the top jaw. So it makes perfect sense that you know, considering it's a red solar creature, red solar creature, uh, a creature from a red solar system. Go moving up into the firefighting area. Uh, I love this idea. And it's really cool, but I'm not sure. And it's possible. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert on physics. I don't know firefighting techniques. But it, it just makes me wonder if even with all those hoses put together, there would be enough pressure still in the fire hose going up that far to allow the water to do what Superman needs it to do. Also, I'm not sure that the gears and the mechanisms for that revolving restaurant would allow it to move so fast without falling off or something, but it doesn't really matter. Like we mentioned last episode, it's the Bronze Age. It's allowed to happen. I mean, the same issue has a magical imp from the fifth dimension. I can't complain too much. Uh, the top of page eight has one of those kinds of scenes that I love so much from Kurt Swan, uh, where you get five different images in one small panel, uh, three of them are Superman landing in the storeroom. One of them is Superman putting on Clark's outfit, and the last one is him as Clark finishing up putting on the outfit. 
I love those kinds of panels. Kurt Swan does a very good job with them. Uh, page nine, after Mixie has... Mixie actually says a magic word to turn the news chopper into an egg beater. Alaka Wimwam. To my recollection, Mixie never had to use magic words before, and he never does after this when Martin or when Pasco isn't writing him. So I don't know if it was a Pasco thing or what. Obviously, he doesn't need to say. Maybe he's just saying it to show off. I don't know. But we can tell enough from this image that Lana's hairstyle has also changed. Uh, let's see. We also see that Superman is mutating even more. It's very fortunate because one panel, he look, other than the even with though he's had to put the makeup on one of his hands, he looks fine. The very next panel, he's all scaly again. Even the the hand that was covered in makeup, apparently that's all turned green and scaly again. Uh, the one thing I do want to comment though on the, the art in this issue is Kurtzwan does a very good job of slowly making the mutation take over Superman. It's a little dicier at the beginning, but we slowly see it cover his face. And as Superman talks to Mixie later on, we see Superman's hair face turn more and more into that monster, while his hairline, and well, while the amount of hair on his head continues to decrease. It's subtle, but it's really cool. Unfortunately, when we see the Daily Planet turn into a newspaper building inside the comic, they don't. Uh, put enough detail to show us any uh, any actual words on the headlines which is unfortunate but at least we had a couple of gags on the cover uh let's see so superman goes into his i hate mixie i want to kill him rant obviously this is fake especially when he tells you that you know he's got that code against killing but you know it works enough for mixie to say hey hey hey, hey okay 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 i'll fix this uh, but we do see Lois laying on the ground. Everyone else is getting recovered, or getting recovered, being recovered. You can see in the background people are checking on other people. Looks like someone else may be hurt. You know, there's comforting going on. Jimmy's running to Lois' side. Um, but yeah, some of these images on page 15. Superman, of course, it helps that he's an alien creature, but some of the art on this. The art, the it's kind of scary. The look on his face, it's awesome. And the look on Mixie's face, he's definitely scared. The problem I have with this story, after Mixie returns to the fifth dimension and Zerf, everything back in Metropolis reverts to normal. The, w, the, the, the newspaper building's back to being normal, the normal WGBS building. Technically and theoretically, um... Superman should be back to being a mutated monster, but for convenience of plot, it didn't happen. Also, uh, Mixie's wife not only made herself beautiful, but made her more tall. So when she changes to the ugly version, she's short again. It's weird. Overall, this was a this was a cool story. I, I, I really enjoyed it. The Superman getting upset with himself over not being able to say, help Lois. Uh, it makes sense. This was definitely a Silver Age trope. They didn't want to do the whole marriage unless she could be safe. Although, as Lois point out, points out, everyone knowing that she's his girlfriend isn't doing much difference. So, really, I see it as a cop-out. 
the art is better this issue, but still not great. There, I mean, there's definitely plenty of images where Superman looks awesome. Uh, there's definitely plenty of images where Mixie looks cool. But again, there's some close-ups where Superman looks like he's aged 20 years between pages. Especially when you get to uh this one of those last the, this last page uh page 17 he's got it looks like he's got bags under his eyes he just looks older it's just i don't know the and the hair's got some weird art on weird drawing and inking on it it just doesn't look very good um but the rest of the issue looks pretty good i i'm not as upset with the art this time as i was last time uh, but that's it for the story. Uh, when we come back, we'll take a look at some ads and the elsewhere. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Tangent. An abrupt change of course. Tangent. To go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. I'm waking up to action dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Uh, the ads aren't too different from last time. Inside front cover has the military figure ad that looks like it's got Kurt Swan art, maybe Murphy Anderson art. Um, uh, the next ad is new. That's uh, the Here They Are Batman and Robin with magnetic hands and feet from Mego. So it's got some terrible art on the promo, but definitely gives you that that hint of Super Friends or maybe Adam West, Burt Ward version of Batman Robin than in the comics, especially with Robin saying, holy magnets, this is what I call a sticky situation. 
But yeah, basically, it's uh, they're 12 and a half inch Mago dolls with magnets in the feet and hands. So there you go. They can stick to almost any metal and even each other. In fact, at one point, uh, let's see, they got them swinging from a pole. They got Batman and Robin swinging from another pole, but holding hands. And one where it looks like Robin's running up the side of a building and Superman's wall crawling. So not Superman, Batman is wall crawling. So interesting. Uh, the next one is similar to last issue. Half of it is a Slim Jim ad. The bottom half, or the other half is a grit ad. This time, though, they flipped which one was on which half of the page from last issue, which is funny. Uh, the Hostess ad, it's the same as last time, so I'm not going to try to act that out again. The next is a full ad page for Justice League of America, number 166, which has an awesome cover that appears to be... Well, I'm not going to even guess. I'm thinking Andrew and Giordano, but we'll find out when we get inside or get to the elsewhere part. Uh, this is the greatest comic book with the largest cast of superior people ever conceived. Superheroes and heroines join forces to wage war against crime and villainy. The cast includes Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, The Flash, Aquaman, Black Canary, Hawkman, and Hawkgirl, The Atom, Elongated Man, Zatanna, and Red Tornado. It's really cool. It's uh, the cover. It's a cover to issue 166, uh, the statue of a. Oh, I can't think of the creature. It's basically an eagle with like. It's like half eagle, half cat, uh, with like bat wings. But it's hitting the Justice Leaguers on the cover, which the Justice Leaguers on the cover are Green Lantern, Zatanna, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, with beams hitting their heads. Apparently, it's taking over their minds and bodies. Never read it, but um, I'll, I'll, maybe I can let you know a little bit more about it when we get to elsewhere. Uh, but it's a cool cover. Uh, next is a full-page ad for Fruit Stripe Gum, both in Assorted and Bubble Gum. And basically, Fruit Stripe comes using that horse character, and then you go through this cool maze that takes you. And it's also got a bunch of, qu uh, let's see, oh, it has questions, and leads from the start to a bunch of the gum. So there you go. Uh, next is, I remember a few issues ago where we had that Superman contest where you could win, uh, like, the a cape. Well, this time we have a Wonder Woman contest. And this would allow you to become a character in Wonder Woman's comic. All you have to do uh, is write, apparently, some kind of an essay telling uh, them what daring rescue you would like to see Wonder Woman perform on her CBS television series. And they have a lovely image of Linda Carter in black and white as Wonder Woman. Looking purdy. And if you do that, you can win one of these fabulous prizes. The grand prize is an all-expense-paid Wonder Woman weekend in New York for the winner and a parent, chaperone, or guest. Three days and two nights at the world-famous Drake Hotel, dinner at Sardis and the Four Seasons, visits to New York's tourist attractions, and an afternoon at DC Comics where the winner will become part of an upcoming Wonder Woman story. Runners up. You ready for this? 25 will win Wonder Woman wrist watches. 50 will win Wonder Woman sleeping bags, and 100 will win Wonder Woman lunch boxes. 
Um, yeah. Now, that's not bad, but I think the Superman contest was a little bit better, but what do I know? Next is another full-page ad. The best comic books for your comic buck. 68 pages, no ads, all new dollar comics showcasing Superman family, where Supergirl looks like she's beating up Superboy. Huh. Uh, Adventure Comics and Unexpected. Uh, next, the top half, uh, it's two half-page ads. The top half uh, is another ad for the world's greatest superheroes. We start off with a finger pointing to an image of Superman saying, this is the superhero loved by millions of people. And then another hand facing a bald man in the suit saying, this man is not one of them. He's Lex Luthor and his latest deadliest scheme will terrorize all of Metropolis. How can Superman and his friends stop him? To find out, get in on the latest Superman saga in the world's greatest superheroes appearing in America's leading newspapers. And this time we get a strip of the uh, a daily strip from the world's greatest superheroes comic strip but this time they colored it in for the ad page uh, and basically it's a cop chasing after a couple of criminals the cop shoots his gun but this beam that's being shot at the cop's foot or feet uh, pulls the bullet down right at, as soon as it exits the gun so it doesn't do anything and the one gentleman rips off his toupee to say did you see that my gravity magnifier caused his bullet to slow to a dead stop and it's of course luther in disguise uh, and then of course if it's not appearing in your paper write your editor and ask why not not bad but uh that still makes me want to go read it uh the bottom half uh, is an ad for the Warlord comic book with art by, um, looks like Mike Grell. Enter the Lost World. Oh, enter Mike Grell's Lost World of the Warlord. And you've got Warlord on a horse going up to some, looks like a weird-looking castle with uh, some really evil dude in the background with a scar on his face, and he looks pretty menacing. But the detail on this art is awesome. Anyway, moving right along, we have a hodgepodge ad page. Then we have an, uh, a page of ad, uh, basically to you know learn how to build muscles fast. Uh, let's see. The top, uh, then we have another uh, page with the top half is a page for be a draftsman. The bottom half looks like a placeholder, but it says see Superman the movie, and Superman the movie is all written in the logo, definitely cut out of a photo and printed in here uh, from the actual Superman movie logo, and then read Superman with the actual Superman logo in DC Comics. That's all it says. Uh, then we get the Metropolis mailbag. Nothing. Oh, it's two pages worth, though. Wow. Including Al Schroeder III, uh, where he kind of defends... Uh, as you re remember, Al Schroeder III was the guy that came up with the concept for Superman, for the Clark Kent glasses being hypnotizing people and stuff. Uh, he kind of defends it. It's a little too long to really read through. Basically, he gives Marty props for some of the stuff he put in the story, like using Spellbinder, because he came up with, he thought it would be better to, um, new villain. He kind of suggested a new villain because he didn't know about Spellbinder already being established. Um, let's see. The he did have a problem with the way Kurt drew Clark's the Clark Kent image with the receding hairline. The, the thinner, frailer, and less handsome was okay, but the 
receding hairline was a problem with him. Speaking of nitpickers, in case anyone should write you to say, what about the Clark Kent robots? Which is one of the things I came up with. Since the trance lingers on a noun-powered Clark for a few weeks, we assume the trance would also affect people or objects who look exactly like Clark, such as robots or Batman dressed and made up as Clark. I'm trying to be calm, cool, and nonchalant about the whole thing, but seeing my name in the credits or explaining a cornerstone of the Superman mythos and all that... Big deal. Yeehaw! Sorry, that slipped out. Well, that's about it for now. Hmm, now that we have an explanation of why Clark isn't recognized as Superman, we need an explanation of why Superman, his friends, the JLAers, and their friends and enemies never age. Uh, Batman is observing all this from another dimension, loves heroes, and uses his magic to keep them from aging, and casts a spell over them to keep them from realizing they're not aging? Nah. Oh well, I'll keep trying. Thanks for the good issue, guys. It was quite a kick. Much obliged, Al Schroeder third. Personally, I think that if the, the, all those times Batman dressed up, he would have dressed up looking like the frailer Clark than what than the normal Clark. But whatever, we'll get out of that. Uh, then there's a little ad for Action Comics 495, which we'll get to in a little bit. Next is a Super Gifts and Gimmicks ad, which is boring. Uh, next is uh, prizes or cash for the Olympic Sales Club. And the back cover is Sell Seeds and Get All These Prizes. That's basically what you got there. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the DC Universe, we start off the month cover dated May 1979. We start off with Adventure Comics number 463. The JSA battles the demon hordes of the sorcerer Fedric Valix or Vox in The Night of the Soul Thief. Uh, but Flash, Dead Man, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman also have stories in the issue, which is cool. Uh, Batman 311 features the return of Dr. Phosphorus, guest starring Batgirl, with another awesome cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. And he also did the cover for Adventure Comics as well. By the way, if you've ever wanted to see him draw the JSA, the Golden Age Flash, Power Girl, and Dr. Fate, that's a good place to do it because, wow, it looks pretty. Uh, but yeah... Man, this cover to Batman looks really cool. Wow. Anyway, uh, Steve Englehart returns to write that one, so that's kind of cool, since he kind of brought him in. Uh, DC Comics Presents number 9, which we kind of mentioned last episode. Uh, the Invasion of the Ice People, where Superman teams up with Wonder Woman. Uh, this one is also written by Marty Pasco. It's got Joe Staden and Jack Abel on the art, so it kind of looks pretty good, at, probably. Uh, the cover on this is by Andrew and Dick Giordano. It's not bad. Superman's at a weird angle. Wonder Woman looks like she's losing. Uh, but yeah, not bad. Flash number 273. Harvest of Hate. Uh, Flash is basically just running through and knocking out the crim all the criminals in a prison riot. You know, really fast super speed. It's by and Ross Andrew and Dick Giordano. Uh, it's kind of cool. I don't know if the prison riot has anything to do with the story, but it's a nice, nice image. Uh, Justice League of America 166, which I mentioned earlier, The Long Way Home by Jerry Conway. Uh, uh, the cover is actually by Rich Buckler and Dick Giordano, so it, looks, it does look cool. Uh, moving right along, we've got Superman Family number 195. Superboy has the case of the unsecret identity, and then there's a story of for Lois Lane, Private Life of Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, Superman and Lois Lane, so that's uh, probably the Mr. and Mrs. Superman feature, and Supergirl. It's another cover by Ross Andrew and Dick Jordan. It looks really cool, though. Supergirl's 
giving the super boy a nice punch to the face. Action Comics number 495 has a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez Praise Be His Name cover. Uh, Attack of the Ultimate Warrior. Looks like they're in Smallville. Uh, where Superman's having a death duel with, I guess, this Ultimate Warrior guy who actually looks like he's got this cool sword, but kind of copied his costume off of uh, Hawkeye from the Avengers. Uh, from Krypton's past, Storm's a warrior mightier than Superman. The death duel that began on another world when Clark Kent was Superboy comes to a blazing conclusion on Earth today. The cover is really cool. They're, they're in front of the sign of uh, saying, Welcome to Smallville, hometown of Superman. Uh, Clark is being attacked by this guy and getting hit by an energy sword that's burning the Clark clothes off of him to reveal the Superman costume underneath. Uh, it looks really cool. Brave and the Bold, number 150. Today, Gotham, tomorrow, the world. Has Superman teaming up with... Uh, well, it's supposed to be a surprise guest. The cover is pretty simple. It's just uh, a Gemma Paro Batman with his cape flaring out, uh, asking if you can discover who my co-star is in this special story. And basically it has, I'm guessing, the first several covers to The Brave and the Bold, at least with Batman in them. Uh, I could tell you it's revealed on this page by uh, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. I ain't going to do it, though. I will tell you that his guest is rather super, though. And one of the f world's finest heroes you'll ever see. Um, let's see. Green Lantern 116, My Ring, My Enemy. Uh, the cover's actually kind of cool. It looks like uh, Green Lantern's going to go charge up his ring. And as he does so, some... I don't know if it's supposed to be yellow, but... Some blasts come out of the lantern, which seems to literally be kind of ripping Hal Jordan apart. It does feature an appearance by Guy Gardner. Huh. It's a cool cover, though. Oh, moving right along. Super Friends number 20, with the story written by Denny O'Neill. Interesting. Revenge of the Leafy Monsters, where it looks like the Super Friends are going up against killer trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kurt Schaffenberger on art. It, it doesn't look like a bad cover, other than if thinking about the fact that they're killer trees. They don't have faces, at least, but... Yeah. Superman is being hurt by a tree. Come on. Anyway, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 251, uh, the, a being known as Omega, or Omega if you're a Doctor Who fan, uh, has the power to destroy the universe. The Legion has to stop him. So Brainiac 5 does that by creating another Omega, or Omega. That doesn't really make sense. But, you know, it's Brainiac 5. He's super smart. And the only one that doesn't have a costume that looks completely... Dated. Oh, although I like... Uh, Colossal Boy? I think so. His costume's cool. Superboy's still in it, though, so that's cool. And finally, Wonder Woman, number 255, The Menace of the Mental Murderer. And she go she's going up against the evil 
Bushmaster? Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Wow, that's a terrible costume. It's a terrible villain name. Wow. The cover doesn't look too bad, though. It's a, it's a strange angle to see uh, the, a building or any buildings in the city. Uh, Wonder Woman looks like she's flying, even though I know she can't. That's why it says fall, fall. Fall to your death, Wonder Woman. But it's a Jose Delbo Dick Giordano cover, so it does look pretty cool. But that'll do it for this time. I want to thank you all for, once again, joining me on this adventure through the Bronze Age. Next time on an all-new episode, well, basically, Marty Pasco took a break. Uh, I don't know if he left the book or was fired from the book, but he stopped. Uh, there was a bunch of Lin Wein written stories and some Jerry Conway written stories uh, on Superman. And then Marty came back for one more issue and then disappeared again. Uh, but we are going to look at that one more issue. Superman number 349. So I will see you then. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.